Awesome. Good morning, everyone. Great to uh, be back. I've had a couple of weeks off, which has been nice. And um, yeah, it's good to be back and his word and, and um, see what he says for us. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Mark chapter 9. It'll also be on the screen. Um, for those of you who might not know me, my name is Joel. Uh, did I say that? I'm a bit blank now. No, my name's Joel. It's great to uh, see you. There's a few visitors this morning, so welcome. From verse 14 through to verse 29, where we see this uh, interaction with Jesus, the Father and His Son, the crowd and His disciples. So follow along with me. It says this, And when they, that is Jesus, Peter, James and John, who have just been on the mountain seeing Jesus transfigured in glory, so when they came back to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And Jesus asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered them, saying, teacher, I brought you my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. So Jesus answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground, and he rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when Jesus had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this, cannot, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. There are a lot of elements to this story that we could focus on, but I really, this morning, I just wanted, it was on my heart, just to hone in on this last verse, this teaching moment that you can imagine, they're disappointed, they're asking, why can't we do this? And Jesus simply responds, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And this is rare. I really just wanted to focus on this morning. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Some of your translations might say prayer and fasting. But for me, the simple and almost life-changing reflection as I pondered this over the last couple of weeks is this. That there are spiritual forces in our world, there are evil systems in our society, there are sinful patterns in our lives, there's brokenness all around, and some of those things cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. 
It's simple, but it should be like very like life-changing for us. That there are some things in our lives and in our worlds that will not be changed by anything but prayer. This child had a physical condition that was linked to a that had a spiritual connection. And I believe that the same is true in the 21st century. That there are physical things in our world that have a spiritual connection, and some of those things will not change unless we pray. That there's a spiritual war going on all around us, and Jesus urges us, commands us even, that we need to pray. So that's what I want to get into this morning. Bit of a heavy start, but we'll, uh, we'll hopefully keep you going. And there's three things that I want to look at. Firstly, I want to look at prayer being our first response. I look at prayer and the transformative power that it has, and then I want to encourage us to keep believing and to keep praying. So, early last year, BC, before COVID, I was at a um, I was at a friend's place, and um, we were attending an event, and I f- we found out that someone else who was meant to attend couldn't come. They had a sore back; they were sort of unable to move, so they couldn't make this event. Uh, my friend's mom was pottering in the kitchen and she heard it and she straight away goes, oh, that's a shame. Um, we sh- let's, um, we'll, pray. we'll pray for him. And I just thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, like, that's a nice Christian thing to say. Yeah, That's like the right response when you hear something. Yeah, we'll pray for him. And maybe you forget to pray later on when you say that. Or maybe you don't. Or maybe that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. But she just thought, but then all of a sudden, arms in the air, starts praying. Like, dear Lord Jesus, we pray for him. And we were like mid-conversation with over. And I was, I was just in shock. I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. Cool, great. And I remember reflecting later on on that moment, feeling so convicted that what should be normal for a child of God to approach their good, good father in prayer as like a first response, it felt so foreign to me. And I don't know if that's just me or if you can relate to that at all. But really, that should be our first response. That should be a normal thing for us as Christians who believe in a good, good Father, who have that relationship. As Joel said, as we've been reconciled to Him through grace, therefore we turn to Him and we say, actually, God, we pray. Work here. Bring healing. Bring breakthrough. Whatever it may be. You know, it's a lovely song to sing, but do we actually believe that? Do we actually live that? Good, good Father. You know, where where do you run when confronted with the issues that our world throws at us day by day, hour by hour? Where do you go? Where do you run? What is your first response? You know, as you think about this story, I wonder where the Father had been. He says that his son has been tormented since childhood. I wonder where else he tried to go, who else he talked to. How about the disciples? I mean, what did they try? What did they say? What did they do in that moment where they were confronted with this child? And what did they... if We can imply from what Jesus says that they didn't pray. So what else did they do? Did they just repeat the words? Did they just... And then enters Jesus, and the father, the father of this child says, you know, have compassion, 
help us. If you can, please do something. And of course, Jesus responds and he says, all things are possible. And he casts out this demon. What we see is that Jesus, he does have compassion. We see that Jesus does want to help. And we see that Jesus is able to help. Like that is who our God is. As we sung this morning, that our God has compassion. He wants to help and he is able to help. All things are possible for him. So the question for us is then, why do we go elsewhere? If that is who our God is that is what we sung this morning, if this is who Jesus is, may our first response always be to him. Not in token gestures, but in this deep belief that Jesus is our way maker, our miracle worker, our promise keeper. And so we turn to him first and always. Because the reality is, this is what this relationship with God that he has reconciled us to, this is what it's about. And he's actually I want to say invited, but really, I I believe he's commanded us to ask. He's commanded us to approach him and to bring our requests before him. I have some verses here on the screen that I just want to flip through. We don't have time to go into all of them, but hopefully you just get this gist of how God invites us and commands us to ask. John 15, Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John follows on in his letter later, says this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And of course, Paul writes in Philippians 4, in everything, in everything, not some things, not just in those hard times, not just in those things that you think, oh, it's a little bit beyond, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything. This is something that I've had to try and learn and grow in. I remember 2018, I was in the Philippines on a schoolies rev trip. And uh, we were hanging around YWAM base and doing some work there, uh, ministering alongside of them. And there was one day, we'd always try and have some practical work in our trips. Um, So we asked the YWAM base, is there any way we can help? And they go, actually, yes. We've got this concrete basketball court and we want to drain along the side. But it just means we need to dig through the concrete. And I was like, you're joking, right? Like, and they were dead serious. And so we got, you know, different tools. I was trying to think, I don't know what they were. We got different little things, hammering away, just chipping away at this concrete. And it was a really great day. It was stinking hot. But then we got to just chatting with some of the guys there and... There was this one guy, Benny, who he's standing opposite me. We're both sweating, trying to dig away. And he looks at me, he goes, Joel, you married, bro? I was like, nah. He's like, why not? I was like, uh, <laughs> I haven't met the right person yet. He's like, do you want to? I was like, yeah, of course. He's like, well, are you praying about it? And I was like, not really. And he was like, well, you should pray about it. And then he continued and he told this whole story of how he prayed. Anyway, it was just a really challenging moment for me where I realized, actually, there are some things that I feel like are important enough to bring to God. And there are some things I feel like, oh, you know what, that'll work out. Or that'll be okay. 
And in, in a way, what we're saying is that I've got this, God, there are some things. But no, Paul says like in everything. In everything. This is how James writes it in chapter 5. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone suffering? What's the response? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. It's great to send a text saying, you know, I'm thinking about you. It's great to send a meal. It's great to look after people and give them a call, say, hey, how you going? And to help out practically. But is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Real clear. Because James writes in chapter 4, the chapter earlier, he says, You desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You know, there's a warning there that, like Jesus says in the verses earlier, that we need to check our heart and our motivation. But it's also a simple command, a simple invitation that we do not have because we do not ask. And we'll come back to some verses later that sort of bounces that all out. But I just wanted to see the simple approach of Scripture that we are called and we are commanded to ask. To bring our requests before the Lord. It's not an optional extra. It's not just something for some people. It's not just for the spiritual people or for the leaders of the church. All of God's children are meant to call upon their good Father and to ask and to pray. And of course, prayer is about listening and, you know, thanksgiving and having space for God to speak and I get all that. But there are some things that will not change if we do not pray. And there are some things we do not have because we do not ask. And so may prayer just be our first response, just to turn to God and pray. Because in the end, we believe that prayer has transformation power. Because... Our God is powerful. Like we sang this morning, who is like the Lord? Strong in battle. Who is like the Lord? He's mighty to save. King forever, he reigns. And so he's powerful. He's the God who here casts out demons, the God who commands winds and waves and heals and restores. And that same God now lives in us. He's here in our midst. And he's called us here to do his work, to do his mission, to follow his call and to minister in and around Scoresby and to each other. And here's the thing, we cannot do that ourselves. We can't, like we cannot. If we want to see God transform our community or transform the lives of people around us or to transform our world, like we cannot do that. That is the work of God. And so we pray. You know, one of the key values in our church is dependence on God. It's been that way for a long time. And, you know, I reflect on my life and my time here, and we can drift away from that slowly and subtly. We can drift away from having this dependence on God, not just as a value written, but something that we live each day and each week. We need the power of Jesus, and that means we need to pray. And as we prepare I guess, for another year of ministry here. As we start thinking about life groups and programs and the different things going on at Cavell and all that, 
I want to make sure our focus is right. You know, like I know many of you will sign up and you'll be a part of ministries and you'll be a part of a life group and you'll serve at Cavell. You'll come and be on setup rosters here and all that lovely stuff that I'm going to miss. Like I know we'll all do that. But my question is, will you pray? Like I know that you'll be a part of our life group, but will you pray for your life group? Each and every day, would you like literally get on your knees and cry out for God to transform and to work in the lives of the people in your life group? We pray for, your, for the ministries that we have as the oceans. Will we pray for our technology <laughs> to work properly? But seriously, like I, I'm, I can be part of a life group, I can attend it every week, but will I get on my knees and pray for them each and every day? whether it's our ministries, whatever it may be. Asking God to work in the ways that only He can. This is how Rhonda Huey writes it. She says this, she said, Information doesn't transform cities and replace cities for churches or communities if you want to think a bit more in our context. Information doesn't transform cities. Conferences can't transform a city. Education can't transform a city. Having citywide ministry programs or large networks cannot transform a city. Only the presence of Jesus can bring transformation and only individual people willing to get on the altars of prayer to contend for his presence will become the kindling for God's fire. Our programs and our ministries and our meals and all that lovely stuff is not going to do it. Only the presence of Jesus, and so therefore we pray. And the beautiful thing about prayer is that not only will God respond to it and God will answer and He'll act, but as we pray, He begins to change us. He begins to transform us. Because as we listen, He will prompt us. As we wait, He will lead us. As we watch and we see, we will become more aware of His presence, like that. Quote says, we'll come that kindling for God's fire. All as we pray for Jesus to come and to do only the work that he can do. So I want to encourage us to get praying each and every day. I came across this quote as well from Richard Lovelace, who writes this in 1979, so a little while ago. He says this, if all regenerate church members in the Western Christendom, that's a way of saying us here in the West, in the church. If we were all to intercede daily, simply for the most obvious spiritual concerns visible in their homes, their workplaces, their local churches and denominations, their nations and the world and the total mission of the body of Christ within it, the transformation which would result would be incalculable. Not only would God certainly change those situation, situations in response to prayer, we have Christ's word that if we ask in his name, he'll do more than we ask or think. But the church's comprehension of its task would attain an unprecedented sharpness of focus. Perhaps much of our prayer now should simply be for God to pour out such a spirit of prayer and supplication in the hearts of his people. What if daily we prayed? And it's not hard. The most obvious spiritual concerns that you see, 
each and every day as you turn on the news, as you go to your workplace, as you interact in your family, as you go out into the world, just the most obvious spiritual concerns that your first response would be to pray for them. Imagine what that would do, not just through those prayers, but also within us. Prayer will transform our surroundings and it will transform ourselves because that's who our God is, one faithful to hear us, to answer us. He will act and he will speak. And so back to this story, I love the honesty of the father here. You know, I'm sure you can imagine the scene, his son tormented since childhood. He's tried things and he's probably eventually accepted his fate. This is what it is. We will accept that and we will live our lives as best we can. And then he hears about Jesus and his band of brothers and the signs and wonders that are following him. And so he gets up, he makes the journey to see Jesus. And then he rocks up and Jesus isn't there. Instead, there are nine disciples. He thought there was 12, but there's nine. And they're super confident. They assure him, no, we've done this before. We'll be right. Bring your son here. We've got this covered. You can imagine just from that depth of defeat and disappointment, having your hopes raised and your expectations, all right, something's going to happen, we're going to see Jesus. And then you meet his disciples and nothing happens. And you crash back down again to that disappointment and defeat. Another failed attempt, another disappointment. And so no wonder when Jesus comes to his father, there's a sense of doubt in his words. There's a sense of disappointment and defeat in his tone because this has been years now of crying out. And I know for many of us here, I'm sure you can relate to that, that there are things in your life that for many years now you've been crying out to God and things haven't quite changed. You've been on that roller coaster of disappointment to sort of hope and expectation back down to defeat to sort of an exhausting cycle. But we cannot, we cannot lose sight of what Jesus says here to this Father who says, if you can, all things are possible for those who believe. No matter what our life journey has been, we cannot lose sight of that, that all things are possible for those who believe. Not because there's anything great in and of ourselves, but because of who God is. He has the power and he invites us to ask. And so I want you to know again this morning that no matter the situation, no matter how far you might seem like it is gone, it doesn't matter how many years it's been or how you feel about it all, all things are possible. And I know for many of us, sometimes the first response when we hear that, we go, yeah, but. And there's a bit of doubt when you hear those words. And would we be like this father who say, you know what, I believe, help my unbelief. Where we don't believe that, would we ask God to help that? 
all things are possible. And we need to hear that and we need to believe that. And on the same side, we can't isolate this story from the rest of Scripture. We know that from the Bible and through history that not every believer has a testimony of transformation like the Father has here. Just read through Hebrews 11 and it gets pretty clear that some people have a great testimony of how God works and acts and then others don't receive what was promised in what, how they thought it would and they died and they, get pers- they suffer persecution and they suffer for their faith. Let's have a read through Hebrews 11 and it's pretty clear. Not every believer has this testimony of transformation, but I do believe every believer has a testimony of sufficient grace, of grace that is strong enough to keep them going and to keep them on God's mission. This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7, he says, So to keep me from becoming conceited was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So even Paul here, he has a physical condition that has a spiritual connection. And three times he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But instead, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul makes it very clear that he didn't receive the healing and the deliverance and the breakthrough that he was after. That was sufficient. I received power in my weakness to keep going, to keep preaching the gospel, to keep following God in this time so that he would still be able to preach for the sake of Christ. For the sake of Christ, he had sufficient grace to keep going. And so in many ways, I think with one hand, we, we reach out and we cry out for that all things are possible. And on the other hand, we reach out for grace that is sufficient and we ask God, you know, give me your power in my weakness. Be strong where I'm not so that I can keep going for your sake and for your mission. And the Christian faith is about holding on to both of those. And if our arms begin to feel weak, if one of them feels like, actually, you know, I really don't quite believe, then help our unbelief, hey? Let us ask God, strengthen these hands. May we hold on to both of those together. We believe both that God can still the storm. Miraculously, he can still the storm. But we also believe that God can miraculously steer the ship through the storm and lead us safely home. And our faith is about holding on to both. So this morning, which of those areas is it for you? Which of those three things do you feel like, you know what, that's something that I could, I could grow in today? As we think about prayer, as we think about our good, good Father, is it our first response? Is that what we need to grow in? That prayer would be our first response. Or do we just need to trust in the transformative power of prayer? Or do we need to keep believing and ask God to help our unbelief? As we, um, as we wrap up and as you ponder those questions, I, I wanted to just share a bit from my heart and my life over the last couple of weeks. Um, I've been reading this book by John Tyson called a Beautiful Resistance. And in there, there's this chapter on 
having hunger in a time of apathy. It's all about prayer and fasting. And it got me reflecting because uh, with our young adults, I think not last year before, I think we did some teaching on fasting towards the end of the year and we sort of had a go. We practice it as a bit of a discipline for our lives, not just for a time. And um, I remember specifically at that time praying and fasting for a future direction. And, uh, well, what do you know, over the last year, God's made that future direction somewhat clearer. And uh, I look back and I go, he answered that prayer, that time. Okay, well, what's the most important thing that I could pray and fast for right now? And I just felt this response on my heart that the most important thing would be to pray for people to come to know Jesus. Like, uh, it might sound like a real simple answer to you, but for me, it was like, it just sort of cut through. I was like, oh, yeah, that is that's what I should be praying for. hard thing about that is that it means going back to a place that sometimes I don't always want to go back to. You know, it means carrying people in prayer that, you know, I really love. And, whew. Do you know, it's sometimes hard because you've seen those prayers. You felt like they were answered. And you had that hope and expectation. And then it came crashing down. And you go, what's this? What's this about? And so it's a bit exhausting to go back there. It's a bit difficult to like, oh, I don't want to do that again. I don't really want to cry out with that intensity that I did before. Because there's doubts, there's uncertainty. And as I read that and I pondered these words, I just went, God, help my unbelief. All things are possible, but help my unbelief. And it was during that week, as I was reading that, I was pondering this and heard different news and stuff. Um, my brother sent me a song. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's a song called Even Now. And it's going to be in the background in a moment. But they based it on John chapter 12, or John, John chapter 11, sorry, where Jesus and where Lazarus has died. Jesus' close friends died. And he comes back to the town, and Martha runs out to meet him and said, like, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. You sense a bit of that disappointment. But do you know what she says in verse 22? But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Her brother's in the grave. People are coming for the funeral. And she says, even now. And so this morning, that's what I want us to do. I just want us to pray, regardless of our situations, regardless of what's going on in our lives, that we would pray boldly. That we would ask whatever it is our wish, would bring every request to God. And just believe that actually, God, you can do your work. And if you don't change to do that, would you give us grace to keep holding on, to keep persevering and to keep believing? And would we have both of those in hand this morning? And so what we're going to do is we're actually just going to pray. We're going to spend some time, it's sort of like the kind of end of the service. What I'd love for you to do is to get in groups of maybe two or three um, Kids can be involved if your parents want to sort of 
make some smaller groups and get kids involved. And feel free to spread out around this hall. You can go outside if it's a bit cooler and a bit fresher out there. And we're just going to spend time praying. I just want to encourage you just to bring those requests before the Lord. I encourage you, if you're comfortable, maybe not go with your spouse or your partner and just find someone different and just head out and pray. Five, ten, half an hour, hours, whatever you need to do. Uh, we'll just leave the gate unlocked and you can help yourself out at the end. But I would encourage you just to find somewhere and just to pray whatever's on your heart this morning. If there's something from the message that you feel like, actually, God, I need strength in this. I want us to encourage to pray for our church and for our community. Let's pray for new people to come to faith. Let's pray for God to break through in the school's ministries and the different things that were going on in Cavell and things like that. Let's pray not just for ourselves, but for God's kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. So let's do that, hey? Let's find a couple people. Feel free to spread out. Caleb's going to put on some music in the background. And let's believe that God is going to transform situations and also grow our hearts as we pray.